Hi, I'm Steve. I'm the pastor at Kerwinsville Alliance. And I would ask you to unite your heart with me in prayer once again. Would you do that? Father in heaven, as we discuss these questions that we've been talking about with pain, I pray that we would see the relevance of them and the strategies that you have for us to take those questions and allow your spirit to transform us in the midst of our pain. That pain would not be a substitute teacher that exercises no other purpose than to be a babysitter. But that pain will teach us to be different men and women for your honor and your glory. In the name of Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen. So we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture today. And I'm going to have all of it on a screen here, or at least most of it on a screen here. And there's a Bible app event for you, so you can follow along with that. If you're bringing a paper Bible (laughs) to the party, we welcome that. But I'm not certain that you'll get to those pages in time before we're moving forward. So the Bible app event can be helpful to you, and the scripture on the screen can be helpful as well. I want to talk to you today about pain, because I feel a lot of us are really dealing with pain these days. I am not talking about physical pain, but I'm talking about pain. And as I've been thinking about this and preparing this message, I've been dealing personally with a lot of that pain. And I have realized just an important thing that may feel like a no-brainer to you, but the source of that pain is the world that you and I are living in. It is not that God has brought this pain on humankind, but rather He actually likes it less than we do. And this pain is pain of our own making. It's man-made pain, so to speak. If you're paying attention, you can see this all over the world. You can see it in Christianity. Christian leaders who kind of demonstrated by their life or by their decisions or even by their posts on social media that they're not as Christian as we thought they were. Maybe they're not even as Christian as they thought they were. Some of my favorite Christian authors and podcasters have brought us great pain. They were men and women who had led us into a close relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then something happened. Some news broke. And everything we thought we knew about them seemed fake, seemed false. Maybe they were abusive. Maybe they were financially corrupt. Perhaps they were sexually promiscuous, or at least sexually unwise. Or maybe they just flat out denied the faith and said, I don't believe anymore. Or maybe they'd been faking it all along. I'm not here to judge them at all. God will do that. And frankly, when I look at their lives, I think to myself, there, except for the grace of God, go on. I'm not here to judge them, but I just want to say this. Those circumstances bring pain, man-made pain. Another example of the world bringing pain to us would be politicians behaving badly. And we see it all the time. Now, for those of you who may not know me, I tend to be apolitical. That means I don't talk about politics from one perspective or the other. And sometimes I'll use it as a sermon example, sermon illustration, like right now. We have all seen leaders whose behavior is painful to us. 
having no regard for the vulnerable in our society, having no compassion for the broken in our world, having little agenda except to satisfy their own ego or to build their own power base, and seemingly having no regard for the truth unless unless that truth is handy for them, but rather worshiping at an altar of expedience. It is painful to observe that. It's man-made pain. And uh, there's this other thing. Racism. I can't breathe. I want to say, if you watched that video and you did not feel pain, God help you. You had to feel pain when you watched that. Racism makes me so angry, I can't think straight. It overwhelms my soul with pain. And I know, we're all guilty. I'm guilty. This side's guilty. That side is guilty. But that doesn't make it any less ugly. And that doesn't make it any less urgent to do something about it. And that doesn't make it any less deadly. And it doesn't make it any more, any less painful. Racism is hate. And hate destroys human lives. Lives that are made in the image of God Himself. And hate tends to erode our confidence in essential mechanisms of human society. And hate separates friends from one another. Racism is pain. Man-made pain. Such pain is not just remote. It's not just that it's people out there that have that problem. It's in your community and it's in mine as well. In all these areas, from religious areas to political areas to racism to every other every other area you can imagine. This week, one of our local businesses was forced to churn, change their way of serving the public. Some of uh and 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 it wasn't it wasn't because the government forced them to change. Rather, it was the public that forced them to change because some people were harassing their employees. Miners. They were harassing miners who worked there. And a business on their Facebook page detailed this. They said, while enforcing customers to wear masks inside, we experienced confrontations and threats that we couldn't have imagined. We will not stand to have our employees verbally harassed repeatedly in the workplace. Now, I don't care what you think about masks. I really don't. But there is nothing honorable in behaving in the manner that was spelled out in that incident, particularly when that kind of behavior is directed at young people, at minors. And I love this community. I love living here in Clearfield County. I love it. And so that pains me deeply. It's pain. It's man-made pain. Now, I want to ask you this question. How do you deal with that pain? I'm not going to talk about what to do about these these examples that I've given here. We're talking in this series about pain and how how does it speak to us and how does it change us and how do we work through it? How do you deal with pain in your life? A common way to deal with pain is withdrawal. And you've probably seen that. There's a healthy kind of withdrawal. You know, when my mom was just stressing out after my father had passed away, she was in her 80s, she was watching cable news, and she was just emotionally beside herself because of the pain that she was pouring into herself from that. And I said to her mom, 
You need to turn off the news. Why don't you turn on PBS and watch those British mysteries that you're so fond of? Because withdrawing was a good way for her to deal with pain. Withdrawal is what you told your children to do, or you will tell children to do when you have them, whenever they're being bothered by one particular group of kids at school. Honey, just stop hanging out with them. They only want to make you sad. That's healthy withdrawal. Delete Facebook. <laughs> I've seen that on Facebook. I've seen people post, delete Facebook on Facebook. And what they're saying there is, this is just causing too much pain to everybody. Just delete it. And that might be a healthy kind of withdrawal for us to engage in. But, but, when withdrawing from people becomes your main way of coping with pain, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Because there is a withdrawal, a kind of withdrawal, that is damaging. It's characterized by consistent withdrawal from whatever you find difficult or even inconvenient. We all know that guy at work who who worked here and then he worked there and then he worked that other place and then he worked that other place because whenever relationships became difficult for him to handle, he just quit. He just resigned from the job and moved on. It was just too hard for him to deal with the people who were there. Running away was easier. If you're running away from pain consistently, then you're not managing it. You're hiding it. And I have a feeling, it appears, that COVID-19 has given some people who have that tendency to begin with kind of permission to withdraw from people. I think I'll skip the family reunion this year. Uh, that COVID-19 has me a little nervous, so I think I'm going to skip the family reunion. And really, the reason I want to skip it is because, have you met my brother-in-law? <laughs> I'm just going to skip that. It's like that, that virus gives us license to walk away, to hide, to run away from pain. I'm going to skip this volunteer position. In fact, I'm going to resign from it because of COVID-19. When really the real reason we're resigning is because it's difficult to deal with people in that position. Even church. I really like watching church on television. I can turn the pastor down when I want to. <laughs> and sitting there, uh, you know, in front of the screen, that's really easier. I don't have to deal with the people. You may even had this thought. You may even thought, I feel like I'd like to just get my family away from everyone else. Maybe go to Alaska or something. And I want to say, as difficult as that transition would be, there's a sense in which it might be the lazy man's way because it's a way to hide from the pain that being with people inevitably presents. And you're not managing the pain. You're running away from it. And if you take your family, well, such families, whether they're aware of it or not, often have a pretty solid form of dysfunction cooking right in their midst. Considering these questions that we've thought of is maybe a better way to manage pain. I think that God provides us with God-given strategy for managing life's pains. And, and, and we begin to understand these strategies when we consider these questions we've been asking for the past several weeks. What are you made of really? How in tone with God are you really? What's important really? And what role does God play in your life Really? And how compassionate are you? Really? Those questions actually can evoke five strategies that speak to us concerning how to manage pain, the pain that life gives us. And I want to give you those five strategies right now. They come from the past five sermons that we've had. The first one is this. 
Prioritize prayer. Prioritize prayer. If you remember the question, what am I made of really? Then you might remember the answer, dust. You are made of dust. And that's not to be insulting, but it is a reality. And actually, it's a little reassuring to know that God recognizes this. In passages like Psalm 103.13, the scripture says, as a father has compassion on his own children, so God has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers we are dust. So when you're facing pain, when you're needing God's heart of compassion, you can turn to him in prayer. In fact, scripture tells you to do this many places. One such place is Psalm 55.22, where it says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. One of the strategies that God is giving you to deal with the pain that you experience when you see the evil in this world is the strategy of prioritizing prayer. Let me give you a second strategy. Prioritize quietness. Just silence before God. Pain asks you, how in tune with God are you, really? And when wise people hear that question, they, they say, that's a really good question. And they begin to prioritize and consider their relationship with God. Quietness before God. Helps you tune into God in a way that you can hear what He has to say to you. And for some of us, it's a lost art. I mean, when was the last time you sat quietly before the Lord? <laughs> the other day I was sitting out on my porch, you know, and I, I was just sitting there. I had a cup of coffee in my hand. So I'm sitting kind of like this, and I'm just looking out across the neighborhood. And I'm sitting like this. I don't have a cell phone in my hand. I don't have a tablet. I don't have paper and pen. I don't have my Bible. I don't have a book. I don't have a laptop. I just have this cup of coffee, and I am staring vacantly out into the neighborhood like some kind of psycho. <laughs> and I think that maybe that's how we would see someone like that. If we see someone who doesn't have something that they're doing, we're kind of like, what's wrong with him? Why, why doesn't he have his, his tablet in his hand? And why isn't, he, why isn't he doing something? Now, I'm all for doing, but understand that quietness is an important discipline for human beings to engage. You know, there's this little group of commandments in Exodus chapter 20. There's 10 of them. And one of them says this, Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it shall on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heavens and earth and the sea and all that is in them. But on the seventh day, he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. That day, the Lord's day, is for renewing your spirit and finding refreshment and finding space and finding time to enjoy God in quietness, to enjoy His creation. You can fill it with things like swimming or hiking, singing, music, making music in your heart. Or anything else that draws you close to God. But understand, somewhere in your soul, there is a need for quietness and rest. And when you prioritize that need, it helps you manage the pain, 
that living in this broken world brings you. Jesus did this. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, we read, but Jesus, and look at that third word, often, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Getting alone in a quiet place with God is a practice that can help you be in tune with God. It is a strategy for managing the pain of living in this world. Let me give you a third strategy. Prioritize awareness. Situational awareness. You know what that is. It's being aware of your environment. You taught your child situational awareness when you took him across the street for the first time holding his hand. You walked up to the edge of the street, the edge of the pavement, and you said, okay, buddy, listen, look both ways. Look that way and look that way. Be aware of your environment. And if there's no cars coming, you can go. Awareness. I I taught my children that as they grew up. And I remember when my son moved to Pittsburgh, I said, hey, try to be aware of your environment. Look around and see. If if you're going down the street and you see a whole gang of people down there, you might want to think twice before you choose that street. You might want to go on a different street. Situational awareness, it, it is what we teach people. But who teaches you to be aware of what's going on inside of you? Who teaches you to give consideration of the feelings you have inside of you? Who teaches you to examine yourself deeply? Huh. Pain does. When it asks what's important really, it's telling you to take a look inside. And prioritize some awareness of your condition, your spiritual condition. You know, if I'm not not careful, I can allow very small things to set me off. For example, I can be angry about a 10 cent a gallon increase in the price of gasoline. Angry enough to go on a two-mile rant as I'm driving alone in my car, ranting to myself about the price of the gasoline. and and, And when I'm doing that, that's a little over the top, 10 cents a gallon, to rant for two miles on 10 cents a gallon. The problem really isn't the price of the gasoline. It is something else, something inside of me of which I may or may not be aware. When you have a response to something that's over the top, you should ask yourself, what's going on inside my heart? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible reminds us of this. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It's interesting to me. The circle I grew up in, really watched our doctrine. But what about your life? How aware of what's going on in your heart have you been taught to be? How aware are you of what you're thinking, of how you're living, of what you're doing, of the way you're coming across? That awareness is a practice that will help you manage the pain that the world brings to you. Fourth strategy, prioritize worship. Make worship a priority. One of the questions that pain poses is, what role does God play in your life, really? And I just want to tell you, that's my question, but it is a really, really poorly considered question. And here's why. What role does God play in your life, really? He doesn't. It is not like my life is a stage and God gets to be an actor in it. Or that my life is this great production, this great script, and God gets to be one of the One of the components in it. Wow, that is such a wrong view of God. He is so much beyond a player in my play. He's God. And until I recognize that, until I see God in all His majesty and His beauty and His sovereignty and His power, 
and his wisdom and his knowledge and his might, then the elements of my life will never be in balance. And that pain that you experience living in this broken world, if you don't see God in his greatness and worship him that way, then that pain will be the major component, the major player in your life. And you don't want that. You don't want that. Have you ever heard someone say, man, I feel so much better after that worship service? There's a reason for that. Because worshiping God puts things into perspective. And worshiping Him heals you. And worshiping Him helps you manage the pain that is constantly being pumped into your life by this evil world in which we live. Maybe that's what the psalmist was writing about when in Psalm 122 he said, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's go worship. It feels good to worship because worship, worship refreshes. Worship is about seeing God for who He is and acknowledging Him with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. It is seeing His majesty and bowing down to that. It is seeing Him as a great King and acknowledging that. It is recognizing His glory that all the good that is happening in the world is His doing because every good and perfect gift comes from above. It is it is prioritizing His will above your own so that your decisions that you are making are in line with Him. So they're good decisions and not bad ones. You see, when you prioritize worship of God, you find yourself better able to manage the pain that comes with living in this broken world. The fifth strategy of these five, coming from Payne's question, is to prioritize others. Remember the question we asked last week? How compassionate are you, really? When I hear pain asked that, it makes me take a good look at myself and address some changes that might be needed. I made this discovery early in ministry, and the discovery was this, that one of the most powerful things I can do in order to manage the pain that I may be in concerning the evil in this world, one of the most powerful things I can do to combat that pain is to have a heart that serves other people. To go visit someone in the hospital, to go pray with someone who's a shut-in, to go visit someone in a nursing home, to serve, to prioritize others. You know, Jesus speaks of the importance of, of serving when he says in Mark 10.45 of himself, the Son of Man, he says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. And I tend to think that serving others for Jesus was something that made the pain he experienced in this world a bit more tolerable. There are five strategies that come from pain's questions. Prioritize prayer in your life when you're overwhelmed. Prioritize quietness in your life when there's too much noise. Prioritize awareness in your life when you're kind of clueless about what to do. Prioritize worship in your life when you need to know something bigger than this pain exists. Prioritize others in your life when it has seemingly become all about you. You can use these strategies that God has given you. He wants you to use them. He does not want pain to have the last word in your life. He does not want pain to win. And so you can pray. You can pray about racism. And we know we need that now maybe more than ever. 
pray that God would bring an end to it. Pray that God would change hearts. That He would open minds. You can pray about the hopelessness you tend to feel when you see leadership behaving badly. We're commanded actually to pray for leaders. In 1 Timothy 2.12, something struck me about that passage where it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority. Think about that. God is giving this commandment to a man named Timothy who doesn't even have a king. But he is told to pray for all the other kings, all the other nations. So pray for those in leadership, regardless of how hopeless it may seem. And pray about how we as people need to honor one another and be civil toward one another and be respectful toward one another and to live peacefully with one another. Whatever it is that's giving you pain, when it comes into your heart and you're like, I don't know what to do with this, pray. And then be still. Be still and know that I am God. Hear the quiet voice in your heart that is telling you to be quiet before the Lord. And listen to His Spirit. Turn off the noise. Put down the smartphone. Shut down the video game. Step outside. Turn off the streaming video. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before Thee near to the heart of God. Find a place of quietness. And be aware. Be aware of the pain that you're sensing because of the circumstances you have found yourself exposed to. And and be aware of your reaction. Are you overreacting? Are you underreacting? Are you feeling despair? Has anger become a constant companion? Look into your heart. One should examine oneself before eating the bread and taking a cup. One should examine oneself more consistently even than that. Because you cannot grow beyond your level of self-awareness. So ask the Spirit of God to help you examine your own health. health, Your own heart. Be aware. And worship. If you don't worship, (laughs) if you don't worship, then pain wins. And I don't care how you worship. I don't care if you're worshiping with hymns or contemporary music. I can worship by reading a good book. There are times I'll be reading a great book and I'll just have to set it down and say, Jesus, you're amazing. You can worship while taking a walk and just in that quietness, speak to God and hear from Him. I can worship when I'm snuggling one of my grandchildren. That's kind of a new thing for me. It's like, wow, I feel like God is here. This is beautiful. I worshiped this past week while I was going on a motorcycle ride. Just me and God on a motorcycle together. I'm the one with the helmet and I'm worshiping. I'm just enjoying the worship. To manage the pain that comes in your life, worship. If you neglect this practice, then instead of God being the great thing in your life, pain will be the great thing in your life and it will master you. Number five, serve. Serve others. When you're facing pain, Take a look at who you can serve. 
What was that acronym? J-O-Y, if you want joy, put Jesus first, others second, yourself last. These strategies are gifts from God. They are tools, practices, habits you should engage. Whatever you want to call them, they help you manage the pain that this world gives you. And they come from these questions that pain is asking you. I want to pray that you and I would be able to implement these strategies in our lives. And that we would find pain that may seem to have been something sent to destroy us has actually served us as a substitute teacher, drawn us closer to God, making us better men and women for the glory of God. Would you unite your heart in prayer with me? Father in heaven, as we unite our hearts in prayer today, we would ask you, God, that you would help us to use these strategies for your glory and our benefit. Make us men and women who pray. And whatever it is, whether it's racism or the ungodliness of Christian leaders or even people acting without compassion in our own lives, may that turn our hearts to you in prayer. May pain turn us toward being still and being quiet. And that we would find that place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. And it would be that place where pain, where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. Give us an awareness of how pain is affecting us so that we do not overreact or underreact, but we react by the power of Your Spirit. And may we not allow pain to be the center of our life, but may we only have You, Lord Jesus Christ, as the center of our life, the one we worship. And may we walk forward serving others, walking forward free of the negative effect of pain. May pain serve us as a substitute teacher, turning us into the men and women you want us to become. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. May God bless you.